0: So this morning we're going to uh, talk about what I call a one-off sermon this morning. We're going to talk about something uh, that uh, I feel God's put in my heart that I want to share with you. And uh, the title of what we're going to talk about today is called All Things New. All Things New. So when we were in England... Uh, one of the days, my family said, uh, why don't we go and take a day trip to the city of Liverpool? Uh, now, many of you, you will probably know the city of Liverpool because the city of Liverpool is where the Beatles are from. And uh, I think the Americans like the Beatles more than the Brits. And so I'm sure we got some Beatles fans here this morning. Also, the city of Liverpool is a city where many of the people who were migrating to the United States, they actually went through the port of Liverpool and got on a boat And then they landed either in New York or Boston or wherever on the East Coast. Uh, So Liverpool is a very significant city. But when I heard the words, let's go to the city of Liverpool for the day, my words were, what? Why would we ever go to Liverpool? Firstly, they've got some soccer teams that I do not like at all. We don't use the word hate, but I'm pretty much almost there. Secondly, when I grew up, Liverpool was a place that you felt Sorry for people who live there. You thought thought that they were unlucky in life because they lived in Liverpool. Liverpool did not have a good reputation for me growing up. In fact, the first time I ever went to Liverpool, I went to a soccer game, and uh, we we parked our car in a neighbourhood by the stadium, and we had to pay some of the local kids to watch our car because it's that kind of place. If your car is there when you come back, you realise that angels have been protecting your car. If you left the city of Liverpool and your wallet was still in your pocket, you had a lucky day, because it was that kind of place. It, 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 it was full of crime, and, 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 and you just didn't go to Liverpool when I was growing up. So when I heard the words, let's go to the city of Liverpool, I thought, what on earth, my family have totally lost it. Why are we going to Liverpool? So... We got on the train. It's about an hour and 20 20 minutes uh, uh, train journey to Liverpool. And as soon as we got out of the city, out of the train station into the city, by the way, my son had to go and use the bathroom, and it cost me 30 pence to go to the bathroom, which is about 50 cents because they charge you to go to the bathroom, uh, which I think is kind of crazy. Uh, But, yep, still, I still paid the 30 pence because I didn't want my son to, you know, to uh, wet himself, and so I paid it. But so we get out in the city, and then suddenly I start looking around, and I'm like, wow, this isn't the Liverpool I remember. We went down to some of the historical sites and there's a place called the Albert Dock where all the migrants, they went onto the boats and they've done it all up. It's got all these really nice restaurants and it's this beautiful place. They had like a, a really like upscale fairground on, uh, right on the river there. There was the Beatles Museum for all to see. Uh, and, and then we even did the touristy thing and we got on a double-decker bus uh, like with an open top and we toured around the city and uh, we got to see like where the Beatles first played. And and it was amazing to see. And what I suddenly started noticing around the city was there was all this old stuff. There was all these memorials to the old stuff. But the new city had taken over. The shopping was absolutely amazing, if you like shopping. And, and, and they had built up all these new stores. And suddenly this city was thriving. And I left that day and my wallet was still in my pocket and I couldn't believe it. And what we found was there was a place, a city that was dying and money had been thrown into it and suddenly it was thriving. See, what I found out is several years ago, they were in a competition to try to be the cultural city of Europe and they actually won. And so they plowed all this money into it to make this an amazing city. And so suddenly my view of Liverpool had changed. I still don't like the soccer team, but my view of Liverpool has changed uh, because... They had brought some new things in, and suddenly the city was thriving. Now, also when I was in England, I got to see some of my old stomping grounds. Uh, I went by the, the church uh, where uh, we, we attended for over 25 years, or, I attended, or, or my parents uh, were out for over 25 years, and I attended for about 17 years myself. And uh, as I went by, suddenly everything just looked the same. The area around it was like there were all these little villages and nothing has changed. Everyone was still there and I saw some people and nobody had changed. They just got older. And I started asking about some of the churches that uh, were in the area and like my dad's old church and some of the churches that we used to attend or our youth groups used to, you know, we used to do things together with and I started to, to find out that they were dying. That these churches that were once thriving were now just dying. There was hardly anybody attending these churches. They were just basically just a few faithful people still going to these churches. And I was like, well, why? Why, why, is, why is this the case? And the reply I got back was, they don't want to change. They just want to stay the same how they always did. They, they started remembering how things were 30 years ago, and they wanted to keep it how it was 30 years ago. And it was the same for the whole neighborhood. And, and basically, it was just getting worse and worse. And where someone like a city of Liverpool, things were just thriving. Suddenly, as I was looking around where we used to live, it was just getting old, and it wasn't very nice to be around. One place was thriving. One was dying. The one was thriving, had embraced the new They remembered the old but they embraced the new and then the other place was dying. And that was the place that just wanted to hold on to what was happening before. And in the Bible, there's a prophet called the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah is is somebody who hears the message from God and delivers it to the children of Israel. And he had a message that he wanted to give. God had a message that he wanted to give to the children of Israel through Isaiah. And we're going to look at one of these messages today. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 43. And I'm going to start reading at verse 14. And this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. So what God is telling here through the prophet Isaiah, he's saying to Israel, he says, I am God. I am the one, if you look through history, who did all these wonderful things. And he starts to reference when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they walked through the Red Sea when the sea parted. And God starts saying, I am that God. If you look back in time, I am the God who did all these wonderful things, these incredible miracles that your ancestors talked about. I am that God. See, Israel time and time again started looking back to the gods of Moses. The God who did all these wonderful things. And so God has reminded them, I am that God. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop in the past. He doesn't stop in all the wonderful things he did in the past. This is what God said through Isaiah, verse 18. He said, but forget all that. Forget all that. Forget that I am the God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Forget that I am the God who did all these wonderful things to your ancestors and generations before. Forget all that. Why? Because it says this. God says, it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. And what God is saying, he's saying that I did all these wonderful things in the past, but that's it. That's in the past. Forget about it because I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And it is nothing compared to what happened yesterday. And he carries on to say, "'For I'm about to do something new. "'See, I have already begun. "'Do you not see it? "'I will make a pathway through the wilderness. "'I will, cre- I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. "'The wild animals in the fields will thank me. "'The jackals and owls too.'" For giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. So God is telling Israel here, he says that in the past what I did was great. And it was amazing what I did in the past. But it was the past. For a new season is here and it's time to look up and embrace the new thing that God is doing. For in this new season, God is saying there will be life and there will be hope. Where once there was death, the environment will start to be buzzing with activity. Those who were parched and hungry will start to find satisfaction for their souls. And I believe what God spoke to Isaiah to say To the children of Israel is a message that God is speaking to us here at Generation right now. I believe that we are in a change season. I believe that we are in a season where things are about to change. And God is saying, forget the past, embrace the new. I believe that God is going to surprise us. And we are going to be surprised where we find life. Those people that we once gave up on, I believe God is going to use. Those places that you once were hurt, you're going to start to find healing. The, the, those situations, what, what, what burnt you out is now going to start to give you life. Because a change season is coming. And so, using this scripture this morning, I want to, us to identify three things that we need to do as believers and as people of generation. In order to embrace the season that God is going to do. So what God is going to do is greater than whatever God did in the past. We're going to see greater things in the future than whatever we saw yesterday. And so these are the three things that we need to do. The first one is this. Forget the past. Forget the past. Now I love history. I love to reminisce about old things. I love looking at old photographs. Except for... I did get a glimpse of my senior photos this last two weeks. My wife brought them home with me. I hope she burns them because they look terrible. But I love history. I love reminiscing about the past. But I've also realized this. There is a danger when you look back too long. There's a danger when you look back too long. So when, when, I, uh, when as soon as I got to my parents' house, after... We got on a long flight and and, and, and got to where I grew up. Suddenly, my mom gives me this big bag. It's like a gift bag. I'm like, oh, my mom's giving me a present. Isn't this nice? She says, here you go. I wanted to give you this. And I look inside the bag. And suddenly, I'm like, are you kidding me? I look inside, and I pull out a polar bear, a soft polar bear that I had when I was a kid. His name was Polo, if you're interested. (laughs) Then I pull out a teddy bear. It's called Super Ted. We had this show in the UK called Super Ted. I loved Super Ted when I was four years old. And I had this Super Ted, and I pulled it out. Next thing, I look inside again, and I pull out an old tennis ball. Like an old tennis ball. I don't even know if it bounced anymore. It was so nasty and dirty. And then there's a game in the UK that I played a lot. It was called cricket. And I pulled out again, and there was a cricket ball, which the middle was totally split and things were coming out of. Then I put my hand in again. I was like, now in cricket, you have to wear lots of pads like you do in American football. And I pulled out the nastiest thigh pad ever. My mom had kept this stuff. And I kept pulling more and more stuff out. And it was stuff from my my past. And I was like, mom, are you kidding me? Why have you not got rid of this stuff? She says, oh, I just couldn't bear to get rid of it. I'm like, it was a nasty thigh pad. Why do you not throw this away? It's like a tennis ball. I can go and buy one anytime I want. And my my mother said, you can do with this stuff what you want. She goes, but you need to take them with you but I can't bear getting rid of them. And I was like, oh, and all the mothers are like, oh. And I was like, my mom's crazy. I'll be honest. She's totally crazy. So we brought some of that stuff home. The five pad did not come home, I will tell you. Like went in the trash. But we brought some of that stuff home. But it was funny because I was reminiscing about the old, but my mom could not let go of it because the emotional attachment for her was so great she could not get rid of the stuff that I had because it reminded her when I was a sweet little boy oh how times have changed and some of you when you think of your past you have wonderful memories some of you you look back to your college days when you were athletic and slim and you're like oh yeah they were my days some of you You look back to maybe old boyfriends or old girlfriends and you forget all the drama and you just remember the good old times. Some of you, 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 you look back to, uh, to, to, to when you were kids and the summers that you had with all your friends or a time when life was stress free or debt free and you look back and you're like, I wish I could go back to those times. Some of you, 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 you remember when you experienced Christ for the first time or you had an amazing experience with God and, and, and years have gone by and you've never experienced that, that again or you've never had that, that closeness to Christ again and you look back and you are longing and longing for what you had yesterday. You live in today, but you want tomorrow. You live in today, but you want tomorrow. Then there's some of you and you want to run away from your past. You want to just run as far, fast as you can. You want to get on a plane and you want to go to a different continent. You want to get on a car and you want to go and get on 95 and go as far south as you can because you want to run away from your past. When you think back to yesterday, there is nothing but bad to ponder. Your childhood may have left you with scars or relationship, previous relationships that took away things that you could have never got back. You, you, you may look at past financial mistakes that you are paying for for today or past failures that, 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 that have, uh, have made you so timid that, that you feel that you just can't move on in life. You feel that your past is like a leash around your neck and it keeps pulling you back. Your past. But this is what God is saying. Your past is your past. God does not want you living in your past. See, for Israel, it'd seen God do some great things. They'd also experienced some terrible things. But this could not be the place that they lived and they dwelt. It, their past could not be the place that they kept longing for or kept looking back to or kept holding on to. See, it is important to know your history, but you should never live in your history. You would not be who you are today without your past. You would not be here today without your past. But you can never go back. And so, if there are things in your past that you are longing for, things in your past that you regret, it's time to turn the other way and it's time to start moving on. See, if you keep trying to ride yesterday's wave, then today's wave will just wipe you out. If you keep touching the wounds of yesterday, you will never find the healing that you really need. And unhealed wounds are easily open to infection and bacteria. And maybe someone hurt you in the past. And it's time to move on because you keep touching those wounds and they kept getting infected. And when you get infected, they get bitter and bitter. So listen to the words of the Lord. He says this, forget all that. Forget it. It's time to move on. The second thing that we need to do, forget the past. We also need to embrace the change. Embrace the change. Did you know change is hard? It doesn't matter who you are. If you are someone who just loves change all the time or someone who who just likes to uh, be just real nostalgic about things, it doesn't matter who you are. There will come a point in your life when you will find it hard to change. The older I get, the more I realize I'm more and more stuck in my ways. See, change is easy when you have no ties to what is being changed. In fact, you embrace change when you see the benefits. So if you ever go on like a long-haul flight, say you travel from the United States to Asia or to Europe, you will get on a plane And most of the time, it's at night. And you will arrive in that country the next day. The first thing that you want to do is go take a shower, get those dirty clothes off, and put some new clothes on. No one ever says, you know what, I want to stay in these clothes that I've been wearing for the last 36 hours. They just feel good. They're starting to fit pretty good. They're molding to my body. You just don't say that. There is nothing like taking a shower and putting new clothes on. Nobody's going to complain about that kind of change. Now, if you haven't changed your sheets at home for, say, two or three weeks, and I'm not going to ask who's done that, (laughs) but if you go home and suddenly somebody has surprised you and they've changed your sheets and you get into bed tonight and there's nothing like getting into freshly made sheets, right? Right? you're not going to turn around and say, you know what, I don't want the freshly made sheets. I want the sheets with the crumbs on them, right? They just remind me of, you know, a good night's sleep. You're going to like that change. You embrace that change for you see the benefits to that change. But the problem is with most significant change in our lives is that the process of the change is often more painful That our false perception of our current state. For when you have to change, there is often pain in changing. Think about the person who has the house they never want to give up. Or the hoarder who collects a ton of stuff and then never wants to get rid of anything. Or that person with that old car that keeps breaking down, but they will never get rid of it. Why? Because there are emotional ties to those things. It's not that they're deluded. Well, some of them are, but most of them aren't. It's not that they're deluded. It's that there are emotional ties. And so they don't want to change. And churches all over the world deal with this. Difficulty, and we have to be careful here at Generation Church. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be turning seven years old. Woohoo! We are old, seven years old. We're still a new church. Change for us isn't hard, but the reality is, for us who have been here for seven years, it's getting harder and harder to change. We cannot attached to our emotional ties of things that happened seven or six or five years ago we have to change because as you develop you change one of the saddest statistics i ever heard was to do with what they called the welsh revival back at the beginning of the 20th century the, the country of wales was becoming less and less spiritual and godly the churches were dying, and the pubs and the bars were thriving And the people in the church saw that this this was happening. And so many of them got together and they started to pray. And they started to pray earnestly and they started to intercede to God for God to do something miraculously in Wales. And suddenly God answered prayer and God showed up. And this thing called the Welsh Revival happened. And suddenly the presence of God just started to spread throughout Wales. And suddenly now the churches were thriving and the bars and the pubs, they were dying. And and people who had had no association with God or with church suddenly started to flock to these churches. And the nation started to turn back to God. And it was this most amazing event that happened. But one of the saddest statistics I heard was this. That many of the people who prayed for the revival, prayed for God to move, rejected it when it came. Because it did not come in the form that they expected. They wanted God to move in the same way God was moving with them, just a whole lot more people in the church. And I'll be honest, I would love us to do Generation Church like this forever. And then just all our community just come in and be overflowing. But the reality is this. God is doing a new thing. And in the country of Wales, God was doing a new thing. And those people needed to embrace the change. But instead, they had prayed for revival, but they rejected the revival. And here at Generation, I believe that we're in a new season. And God is going to bring some changes to us. And and what we're going to do and who we are. Because God is wanting to reach a community that is so far away from God. But if we stay the same that we are then God is not going to be able to use us. And we'll probably reject what God is going to do. So God tells us in Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19, he says that what I am going to do is far greater than what you've already seen, but it requires something new, and that means change. And every time you bring something new into your life, it means the rest of your life has to change. Anyone who has brought a new child into your home, Or a new pet into your home. Or maybe you've started a business and that business has now affected your home. You realize those things do not affect one little bit of your life, but they affect everything in your life. And did you know that God wants to do something new in your life? The old is nothing compared to the new that God is wanting to do. So are you willing to go through the pain of the process to see the new? Have you ever seen a skin? Shed, a snake shed its skin? Some of you are like, ooh, snakes. But it's a fascinating thing. See, a, a snake sheds its skin because the snake grows, but the skin never grows. Once the skin is on a snake, it protects the snake's body, but it does not grow with the snake. In fact, it also gets... Infected with like parasites and different things on the snake. And so what the snake does, in order to grow, it starts to cut away at its skin. And then if you ever see a snake shed its skin, it's not an easy process. It's not like suddenly it just rips it all off and it's like, whoa, I've got a new skin. It's a long process. And there's a lot of pain for the snake. But the snake understands if he doesn't shed its skin, it will not be able to grow. What in your life right now do you need to shed? What skin in your life is stopping the growth that God is wanting to do? See, I believe this is something that God is doing in your life right now. God is constantly changing you and molding you and making you to be more Christ-like. And if you feel pain today, if you feel the skin is a little tight, then it's time to embrace it because God is bringing something new. If you feel the pain, it's because growth is happening. So we must forget the past and embrace the change. And then finally, and very quickly this morning, the last thing we need to do, watch the miracle. Watch the miracle. The definition of a miracle is a highly improbable event or development that brings welcome consequences. I put that in easy language to understand. Miracles will surprise you in a good way. That's what a miracle It's a surprise in a good way. And God is in the form of performing miracles. And I believe that God is performing a miracle in your life. The day you gave your life to Christ, a miracle happened. You became a new person, a new creation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says the old has passed away, the new has come. God is creating a miracle in your life. And from that day forth, you are a walking, breathing, living miracle. And God is continually performing miracles in your life. God is creating a way in the wilderness for you. And Isaiah says to the Israelites God says that I'm going to bring something new. And I'm going to create a roadway in the wilderness, I'm going to bring rivers in the dry wasteland. In the wilderness where, where you couldn't see a path through, you didn't know which way to go, which way to turn. Suddenly I'm going to create a path for you to walk through, a miracle in the wilderness. Where there was, where there was a, a just hunger and thirst and, and, and there was nothing good, there was no provision, nothing to eat. In the dry riverbed, in the dry wasteland, suddenly the rivers of life are going to come. And in your life right now, what are the dry wastelands of your life? What are the wildernesses of your life where you don't know where to turn, where you don't know where the situation is is heading, where you don't know where the solution is? Maybe it's a problem with your kids and you don't know where to turn. Maybe it's money issues and you don't know when it's going to ever end. Maybe you've got a problem in your marriage and you just don't know how to solve it. Or you cannot see your future career ahead and you just don't know which way to turn. Maybe your, your future is unsecure on, on and you are just losing sleep about it. Well, suddenly a miracle will come. And it will surprise you. And in the middle of the confusion, a pathway will appear. Even in places that you did not even understand. For those of you, you may be dying in your faith. Or you may have lost your calling. Or relationships have left you dry. Suddenly a miracle will form in the form of water. The water of life will begin to flow again. Where are the dry wastelands in your life where you need a miracle right now? I'm going to show you a very quick video. And as you watch this video, I want you to picture and imagine the dry riverbed being the wilderness areas of your life where you need a miracle. And when you start to see the water, just start to picture and imagine the miracle of God. Come into your rescue. Watch this. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Change is here today. The miracle is in the works Something new is about to happen. I believe the breakthrough that we pray for in August is already beginning and is already happening. I believe the things that you've been praying for God, he has heard from heaven. And you will start to see the roadway in the wilderness. You will start to see the rivers start to well up where there has been dry and where there has been thirst. Where you feel that he has been dead and, and, and there's nothing being alive in your life. Suddenly, God is about to rise up in your life. For the miracle is here. Forget what happened in the past. For what I am about to do, says the Lord, is nothing compared to what I, or no, what has been happening in the past is nothing compared to what I'm going to do in the future. And some of you this morning, you've had a failed business that's about to see life some of you you're suffering in a broken marriage that's about to see restoration some of you you've got prodigal children that I believe are about to come home some of you you are drowning in debt and you are about to receive the lifeboat of God's provision that wound from the past is about to become a sacred scar that will bring healing to others that heard from people in the church or heard from family members is about to be replaced with authentic friends and relationships of people who really do care about you that sickness is about to see the healing streams that failure is about to position you for success why? because God is doing something new Now forget the past, embrace the change, and watch the miracle that God is wanting to do in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Some of you, you're in this place today and you keep looking to yesterday, thinking why can't we ever go back to there? But God is saying it's time to move on, for I'm doing a new thing some of you, your regrets and your hurts and your mistakes of your past keep trying to pull you down and you cannot escape it it's time to look up for a new season is here for God is doing something new I believe here for us at Generation Church we've had a great seven years we've seen some good things we've seen some bad things but it's nothing compared to what God is going to do for God is doing something new some of you you, you, you have asked God for the miracle. You've asked God for the impossible. You've asked God for the breakthrough and you've seen nothing. Well, suddenly the river is starting in the dry wasteland. And what was a dry riverbed is soon going to be a gushing river that is full of life because the miracle and the breakthrough is about to come. And I believe that God has laid this on my heart this morning to bring to you to say the miracle is here. And so as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, we're going to pray very quickly before we close today. And our prayer isn't going to be one of asking. It's going to be one of receiving. We're going to position ourselves to forget the past, to embrace the change no matter how painful it may be and then receive the miracle.